Hi, I'm Marcus. Welcome to Learn with Graviholic. Today I'm joined by Yuan and Magnus from Bravur Watches. And here are some of the things that we will be talking about today. We thought first that the email we got was maybe like a scam or something. If <laughs> <laughs> education is supposed to emailing us about this, yeah, it was really cool actually. In the end, it's how you drive sales is to, to be visible. And if you don't have anything interesting to to share and communicate, then you won't get any. Now, let's get that interview going. Hi guys, how are you doing today? Fine, thank you. Yeah, all great. Enjoy, yeah. Enjoying Perfect. Swedish autumn. <laughs> exactly. I can watch through my window here and, and I have a window right here as well. There's basically no leaves left uh, on the tree. So it's it's really autumn here now. Yeah. At least the snow. But I heard there was some huge downpour. And I even when I drove past you where you are right now in the southern parts of Sweden, there was a lot of snow there even, yes, right? Exactly. Yeah, it uh, was kind of a surprise yesterday morning when I woke up. The kids got excited. <laughs> it was all white outside. <laughs> but uh, yeah, to be honest, I, I was not super excited myself. I think it could have waited a few more weeks. But uh, that's how life is in Sweden, I guess. Yeah, it is. And uh, it the is. snow has ruined the uh, cycling possibilities a bit. Yeah. Uh, but it's all... I was just going to ask you, how do you feel about this in, in regards to cycling where the snow is coming? Yeah. I mean... Personally, I hate it. Yeah. I mean, there, there are, uh, I mean, when you get a pretty much snow, which is pretty rare, and, and it's actually cold and it's a clear and sunny, nice day, and, uh, and the roads are like, packed uh, so you get a good grip it's not very icy and so on then it can be nice once in a while but it, it, it never i mean it's very rare that you get those uh what do you say circumstances <laughs> yeah yeah no, i totally agree it's usually more like wet and muddy yeah. and dirt and uh, yeah, yeah yeah it is what it is Excellent. so that brings me to my first question. What kind of bikes do you guys ride and and, uh, and why do you prefer one one of those? Because I, I'm pretty sure that you have more than one, both of you, right? Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I have uh, the, the full Monty, I would say. <laughs> so, I mean, I mainly ride road bikes uh, and I, I prefer that if I have the option. Uh, but of course, I, I also have a, a gravel bike, which I spend a lot of time on and uh, also a, a mountain bike. So. I used the mountain bike mainly during winter season to, for instance, like the conditions we have today when it's more muddy and there are some snow, then it's perfect with really wide tires. But uh, yeah, I'm, I would say you, you get different uh, things out of road compared to gravel and mountain biking. And also that you can really go out really every season of the year. I would say that is the, the main motivation for having several bikes. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I only focus on road, uh, mainly road uh, riding and a bit of gravel as well. No mountain biking, uh, even though that was my uh, that's my background originally. Uh, actually, uh, I was only oh, okay. only riding mountain bike. Uh, I mean, it's like thirty years ago now, <laughs> or not? Yeah, uh, but nowadays I only do road riding and gravel riding. So that's my my cool. If, if I might add my thought on this, I, there are so many people that around here, at least, that I cycle with, they're like, oh, now it's winter season. So now we take the gravel bike and we go on the gravel roads. And I'm like, you should do it the other way around. I'm like, summertime, when it's dry, that's when you go on the, on the, on the, on the gravel. And then in wintertime, like now, yeah. 
to get less dirty, I stay on the tarmac. <laughs> I, I agree, actually. <laughs> but it's easy to, to have that mindset. I, yeah. I totally um, agree. A lot of people think like that. But uh, I, yeah, I totally agree. On the summer, it's fantastic with the gravel. It's a bit dusty, uh, hard-packed, uh, fast roads. Uh, it's super nice. But uh, as you say, in the wintertime, yeah. I mean, the, the roads get uh, quite soft and it's, it's dirty and uh, yeah. So I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, but let's. Let, I'm going to segue now to, and that's actually a touching point that you said, Magnus, that you were um, a mountain biker from from the beginning, right? And and now I'm going to segue over to you, you one, because you also used to be a mountain biker. But that's that brings us back to our history together. We we know each other from from way back when. Um, do you mind <laughs> telling that story? Yeah, sure. Well, we are both from like the forest uh, in south of Sweden. So uh, you and me, we went to the same class in uh, high school, I guess you say. So we went uh, yeah. Yeah, together for, for three years and had a re- really good time back then. But it was like 25 years ago. But uh, yeah, that is our <laughs> our history together. And then we didn't really have that much contact for quite a few years. But in the last three or four years, we found each other again uh, through cycling. So uh, yeah, I, I've been cycling as long as Magnus, so mm. like 30 years uh, with mountain biking. Mm. And yeah, that's actually the reason. Yeah, that we when, know each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, back then we were, we were more competitors but eventually (laughs) but it was really a nice surprise when i found out that you you were also addicted to cycling so yeah hope hope you will continue with that for rest of your life i mean yeah i i i don't think that i've found anything similar in life that helps me so much both with my mental well-being and with my sort of yeah general well-being so and I think for me, cycling, it has connected with me so many great individuals uh, just for these last couple of years. It's just an astonishing community and, and so welcoming. And so, 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 yeah, I'm so grateful to meet so much people just like you guys. And now I knew you from the past year one, but now we reconnected you to this. So it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a blessing, to be honest. And I think, and I really hope that more people will will enjoy this for the coming years and even that we can grow the public just by talking in this conversation, for example. But um, so you met through cycling, but what really sort of what made you guys start a business together then? What, what sort of what was that journey like? How did that come to be? Well, as you mentioned, we were competing against each other in mountain biking. Um, we did that for quite a, a lot of, uh, like many years. Uh, eventually, I believe you stopped racing first, then I stopped racing. We didn't see each other for many years. And uh, eventually we ended up in the same uh, class in university. Uh, so that's when we started our friendship, basically. And we got to know, uh, know each other on, a, on another, on a, another uh, level, so to speak. And, and not through, uh, we didn't, yeah, we actually did some riding uh, as well uh back then but, but i think we we found out that we had quite similar background we are mm. from different uh, small <laughs> villages you could say in, yeah. in uh, <laughs> the southern part of sweden so like 50 kilometers in between so mm. we were really like rivals competing mm. for different cycling clubs uh, but when we left that behind we found out that we had really yeah similar interests similar background uh, also similar 
like mm. ambitions for the future, I would say. Yeah. So also during university time, we started our first uh, consultancy, consultancy company. Uh, and yeah, that is basically where we started our business together. Of course, yeah. it was not within watches back then, but that, that was the start of both the friendship and the, the cooperation in, in, in the business. Mm. Yeah. And for many years, we discussed, uh, yeah, doing something together and creating our own brand, creating our own products. So, uh, it was a process that's yeah, started pretty earlier and then eventually we started our, our business together and our own, own brand. That is so interesting. Um, so I have a similar experience with my best friend that I had during, during university, I also started a company with him and we ran that for, for like five years together mm -hmm. or so. And one, one of the key things that I learned about myself during that journey was um, how important it is to have someone that compliments you and that not someone that is, that is, um, um, that can challenge you and that can do sort of opposite things of what you can do. You need to have some similarities, but you still need to have that sort of companion that can challenge you. What, and that was a tough insight for me because I thought that everyone should be just like me, but, um, <clears throat> that's a different story. Now, how do you guys sort of work together? How that dynamic in between you guys, how can you, what, what does, what does that, how does that look like? Well, I, I, who does what? I, I would say that we are pretty similar in many ways. Mm. Like we are kind of very <laughs> product focused, mm. both of us and really picky about details, quite hard on ourselves, uh, yeah. which is a good thing, but it also makes like the, the process quite long. Mm. Um, but I say we have a really good like combination with, with skills, uh, that makes it possible to like, for instance, you start pitching an idea and I give some feedback, mm. uh, we rework it. And in the end it ends up in something totally different that if only one of us would have worked with this idea, it would turn out totally different. Mm. So, uh, I mean, it can of course create some, some friction, but we are aware about that and that in the end that it becomes something yeah, really good. Mm. Yeah. We work quite closely together. And as you mentioned, we, we often, um, what do you say? Pitch ideas to each other. But, um, so that, that brings me to, to the question about the products that you guys have. I mean, I, I would consider you guys super brave, to be honest, to go into such a tough market. And we're talking about watches and like these ones, how, how, and when did you sort of think about that? You want to go into such a sort of tough market and what, what, how did that idea come to be and, and, and how can you be so brave to do such a thing? Yeah, it was a long process. I think it wasn't uh, obvious that we would start working with watches. Actually, uh, as mentioned, we discussed for many years, creating our own brand and, uh, we discussed a lot of different types of products. We were talking about cycling related, uh, products. Uh, we were talking about like, yeah, a, a quite wide range of products. I think, uh, eventually I was about to buy a watch for myself. Uh, and that's basically when we started thinking about watches and the watch market start to think, okay, what, what could we, uh, do within this field? What can, can we, uh, add to the, to the watch market basically, um, both me and Joan have a big passion for like menswear 
fashion uh, and being industrial designers. Watches is kind of a mix of fashion and uh, industrial design. Uh, something you wear on mm -hmm. your body, uh, but still it's a, what do you say, like hardware or <laughs> it's, uh, so it's a kind of interesting mix, I think, uh, between our, our fields of interest, basically. Yeah, and, and also is, I mean, back then it was not common with a lot of micro brands. I mean, it was before mm -hmm. Daniel Wellington started, for instance, so it was really unusual with small, small brands sh challenging the big ones. Mm -hmm. uh, so we thought also yeah. like the big brands, they were really conservative in terms of design and also how they communicate. It's like typical feminine watches for, for girls and mm -hmm. yeah, really masculine like fighter aircrafts for for guys, which we thought were, felt kind of silly and old fashioned. Mm. And we thought also that, uh, yeah, of course the, the prices for the watches you really wanted were yeah, really above <laughs> your uh, wallet. And mm -hmm. the, the third thing was that we saw the, the lack of a design focus on the brands. You couldn't see from which brand the watches were by just looking at the design. So yeah, we saw that there were like a clear field that we mm. could uh, contribute with and add something to the market. Mm. So yeah, that is how, how the idea of starting a watch company started. And that, mm. I mean, that was probably like 14, five, 15 years ago. And yeah, then exactly. 2011, we re registered like the, yeah, the brand and yeah. the company. And then a couple of years more until we launched the first uh, watch collection, basically. It was yeah. When when was that? When was the first watch sort of hit the market for the consumers to buy? 2013. So oh, wow. it's, it's yeah, ten years ago now. Uh, so we've been wow. doing it for a while actually. Um, but of course, a lot of a lot has happened during this journey since the launch of the first model which we will talk more about eventually here. Uh, so a lot of, has happened and the brand has evolved quite a lot uh, since then. Yeah. Uh, and talking about brand, um, part of brand is name, right? And and you have a little bit of a clever name. So tell me about the story about, about the name of, of, of the company and the brand. Yeah, I mean, I mean the, in Sweden, people are familiar with the name Bravur. Mm. Uh, actually, I know it exists in German. I know you partially live in Germany. Oh, really? Germany, yeah. To to macht etwas mit bravour. So so it means uh, to conduct something with great skills or excellence. Uh, mm. But but the name in Swedish, the two uh, last letters U and R, ur, also means like clock. Mm. Uh, actually, that was one reason why we were a bit hesitant yeah. <laughs> to choose it because it felt like kind of a what do you say like a like, yeah what is a, a kind of joke yeah. <laughs> in yeah. Swedish, uh, but eventually we, I mean, we wanted a, a name that um, uh, had a, what do you say, like a Swedish sound to it. We, we wanted to communicate our Swedish heritage and background. Uh, and yeah, I mean, creating the name was maybe one of the hardest part of the, yeah, <laughs> of, the whole, of the whole process, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, but eventually we, we chose that name and now it's, yeah, we don't, you don't think about it after you have uh, chosen the name. And, and we mainly sell uh, abroad as well, mainly to the US. And then, of course, they don't, uh, 
then then it's quite nice to have a story uh, that the the brand name contains um, the word for watch or clock. <laughs> it's like uh, like there's a story within the the brand name. That's super cool. And how do they pronounce it? The Americans uh, like uh, Braver. So nice. I'll, 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 almost I'll, uh, small extra touch. Not not totally way off. <laughs> no, exactly. I would say, but uh, I, I would say they more problematic is probably to tell the difference between Sweden and Switzerland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the biggest challenge. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. For sure. And that's cool. I didn't know that, that the US was was your biggest market. And that's that's very interesting. Why do you think that is? Uh, yeah, it's been like that from the start, basically. And it was never our plan. Our plan was to start in Sweden and then try to uh, make it abroad, basically. Uh, but uh, at the launch, we got most interest from uh, like uh, US-based media and uh, uh, and so on. So we got most exposure there, basically. And uh, oh, okay. it has continued like that yeah. from the start. Yeah, we got a good like kickstart in the US. And we also mm. uh, were approached by a uh, re- reseller back then, Barneys, which is like quite mm. high high uh, mm. department, yeah, department store. Yeah. So we stayed mm-hmm. there for a few years. Mm. So I, I think we managed to establish the brand uh better in us compared to sweden mm. and i would say mm-hmm. also uh, like a parameter is probably that the like micro brand community in us is really strong compared to europe in general mm. so they uh, are arranging quite a few like micro brand watch fairs which we started to attend in quite early mm. so within the micro brand community we got yeah i wouldn't say famous but <laughs> at least a few people know about us Mm. So I think that is also uh, part of why we have expanded in US and where I think we're selling like between 70 to 75 percent also this year uh, mm. to, to US. And uh, yeah, it's I mean, it's just great for us. And also considering the Swedish currency versus the US dollars is uh, mm. actually a benefit to be to be able like to to sell in the parts of the world which are not that affected by the economy at the moment. Hmm. I'm, I'm happy that you can benefit from, from that. I, from, from my personal point of view, it sucks right now yeah. traveling between Sweden and Germany yeah. with the Swedish currency. Yeah, it does, <laughs> it does but, it's... but um, I, that brings me to, to my next question. Or I know last year, was it right, that you were actually, there's another American connection, right, to with cycling and, and the sponsorship that you did with an American protein yeah and uh when i saw that i was also <laughs> completely blown away that you guys were working with them so should anyone that wants to sort of tell the story about how that came to be and, and which team it was we were also quite <laughs> uh amazed yeah. by it but yeah, uh, yeah you can give it yeah so we, we were a partner of the ef education is supposed uh professional cycling team last year which, yeah, they're obviously competing uh, on world tour level. Uh, it was something we we could hardly dream about being a partner of a world tour team, but suddenly we ended up being one. <laughs> so that was really cool. Uh, we had our brand on the buses and st- so on. Uh, it was really amazing. And all the riders got a, we, we made a special uh, watch for the team, picking up their team colors and so on. So. Um, 
all the riders got a watch with their names engraved on the case back. And yeah, it's, it was a really cool experience. And uh, to be a small part of this, uh, yeah, the, the world tour, uh, basically, it was amazing. It opened up a lot of possibilities for us also after last year. I mean, we got in contact uh, with a lot of other uh, world tour riders uh, through our participation and mm. the travels, uh, visiting the big races. But yeah, I think that the reason that we got the opportunity to work together with such a big team, while we are really like a small uh, brand, was the fact that we are actually building all the watches in Sweden in the small uh, town called Bostad. And the chairman of EF, uh, he is uh, having a summer house nearby and he likes design. <laughs> mm. So he saw our watches and uh, read that it were, that they were produced locally and yeah. really appreciated the design. So actually mm. he reached out to us, uh, asked if uh, we were interested in in collaboration with his small cycling team. Wow, <laughs> so it was proactive from them. That's super. I mean, EF has that Swedish connection, right? Yeah. They used to be a Swedish company. Uh, so right. now American-based and American headquarters and everything. But yeah, mm. still has that Swedish heritage. I didn't know. That's super, super cool. Yeah, we, we, but, we, didn't, we thought first that the email we got was maybe like a scam or something. <laughs> 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 EF, education is about emailing us about this. Yeah, yeah it was really cool actually uh, yeah but you said you said you made a special version for them but let's me let that segues me into sort of the the, the assortment or the um, your your lineup that you have today Let, let's speak about that a little bit what what does it and how has it evolved from the beginning i guess it wasn't sort of uh, several pieces from the beginning but uh... yeah so i mean basically when we started the brand we were not connected to cycling i mean we still had a huge uh, cycling uh, interest back then, but it was more like a, a general uh, watch brand, so to speak, more lifestyle, fashion sort of uh, brand. Um, and we, we discussed for many years about uh, how we could connect uh, watches and cycling, uh, but it wasn't until 2020, right, uh, that we launched our first um, cycling uh, cycling collection which is the grand tour chronograph series uh, so that was our first uh, step into the uh, into the world of cycling basically um, and uh, yeah, yeah that this grand tour chronograph series it, it is inspired by the three biggest cycling races in the world the, mm. the three grand tours so giro d'italia tour de france and vuelta espana so each of the watches uh, they pick up inspiration in terms of colors, patterns, and other like more subtle details that you can find in each of the races, and then incorporate it into the design. So, I mean, the idea is if you're a cycling nerd, <laughs> then you should really appreciate and find, uh, discover these small details. But if you are not into cycling, you should still be able to appreciate the design. So it's not obvious, I would say, that they are cycling inspired. In mm. If you don't know about it, these small clues, mm. and we have launched a new model uh, every year mm. of this series. So now we have uh, nine different watches in this collection. So this is the first yeah, uh, step into the cycling niche, so to say. Mm. Mm -hmm. 
What, what does the um, process look like when you come up with a new design and a new watch? What uh, tell me? What, what, let's talk about that for a moment. You 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 briefly talked about it earlier that you were sort of ping ponging ideas and stuff. But is there any more more to it? Um, yeah, first of all, it's usually a quite long process. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it takes a lot of time. Uh, we we uh, work with the uh, design and the ideas for quite a long time, uh, back and forth. Uh, there are many sort of iterations, so to speak. Uh, we constantly work on uh, making the design better and better. Um, so it's a long process, uh, which usually starts. I mean, we we almost. Yeah, we always start with a, with a what do you say, like a conceptual idea or. Yeah, uh, we try to pinpoint kind of a concept formulation, I would say, that yeah. frames the whole collection. So, like for yeah, the grand tours that mm. they should be yeah, inspired by the three grand tours. So mm. when we have this kind of concept uh, defined, we also can uh, create kind of a value hypothesis. Uh, including things like price points, what kind of uh, watch, is it the chronograph, is it the three-hander, is it the diver's watch, mm. uh, which these two parameters in <laughs> will really help us when we start working with the design because it, it gives us kind of a clear guideline mm. in which direction to go. And also we can like step out <laughs> and look from outside, does this match uh, with our uh, concept formulation? Mm. So I think we evolved a way of creating clear concepts and story behind uh, the collections in a in a good mm. way in the last few years. I mean that has really been like a process uh, throughout the years. But I, I, we have really understood how important this is to have a clear story and concept that mm. helps both us in the work, but also for like potential consumers to understand what it's all about and also to remember the brand and the watches. So I don't want, <clears throat> I don't want this to sound like a fairy tale. Every, everything has been pixel perfect along this route. I guess you've been taking some detours and there's bits of frictions here and there. And especially coming back to what I talked about earlier, like challenging the big ones. Mm. But so talk to me about what, what is the, what is your learnings? What is your failures uh, that you've had along this route now for the last then yeah, 10 years or so. You want to share any? I mean, if going chronological, <laughs> I, I would say that the main uh, difficulties in the start was really to find the right suppliers. Uh, we are like mm. a small company having small mm. volumes, but with high expectations and kind of special demands. Mm. So it was difficult to get attention at least uh, through the big suppliers when we were asking for, oh, we want 50 special dials, which are super complicated to manufacture mm. <laughs> and we don't want to pay a lot of money. <laughs> uh, so I think that was the first obstacle and we have really worked with a lot of different suppliers, but in the last mm. five years, probably we have like a set of suppliers, which both for, for packaging and the cases and dials. And as mentioned, we do all the sam- assembling in Sweden. Mm. So we now have like, mm-hmm. a yeah, really good set of uh, suppliers and collaboration partners to work mm. with but that was at least the first mm. difficulty yeah. yeah for sure and then i mean if you we connected a little bit with our uh, how the brand has evolved uh, recently uh, 
at, at first we didn't have a, like a, a niche, so to speak, and not, not a not a clear idea about the brand maybe. And, uh, and eventually we have uh, turned the brand into the sport of cycling, which, which helps us a lot about when it comes to inspiration and uh, it helps us stand out among the competition. And uh, I think yeah, that's a very important part as well for us, uh, find our, finding our niche and adding some something new, unique to mm -hmm. the um, watch market, basically, I would say. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I would say also like a constant struggle, I, mm -hmm. I guess, for all companies is to find a way to get uh, present presence and exposure, uh, like in social media, uh, yeah, everywhere, basically. Uh, how how to how to get that? Because that's in the end, it's how you drive sales is to to be visible. And if you don't have anything interesting to to share and communicate, then you won't get any <laughs> press around the world. So you constantly mm. need to to have that in mind when creating the products. Can you have a nice story behind it. What is like the next thing to uh, to write a press release about? And mm. I mean. For us, we cannot afford spending hundred thousand euros in, per uh, se, yeah, advertising standard. and uh, and um, yeah, advertising and collaborations. Yeah, uh, exactly. Stuff. So, but, but let's let's take a little detour there because that's an interesting point. Uh, I mean, I I was also super impressed super impressed when I listened to one of my favorite podcasts, which is the cycling podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I heard that you, they were, Line and Bernie was starting to talk about you guys. And I was like, wow, this is super cool because that's huge. Um, so talk to me a little bit about what, what is the strategy there? I know that you're working with ambassadors. You went to Ruler Live, which I'm, I would be more than happy to go to myself as well at some point in the future. So what is your strategy there around sort of marketing and getting your voice uh, heard in, in this media bus there is? Yeah, I, I mean, as, as mentioned, we don't have like a, a enormous budget to spend. So we need to spend the money really wisely mm. uh, and think through before <laughs> we spend it. So for instance, with, with the podcast, we think both that it targets our audience and the, the show is, of course, really great. But also mm. the fact that we should participate uh, at the Ruler, which was good then to have the podcast just before the mm. ruler so that people would be aware that we were uh, going to, to exhibit there. And I think that worked out really well. Actually, mm. a lot of people that came to our booth, they had heard about us in, in the podcast. And this was like a, a reminder, oh, that's the watch guys. Uh, mm. And then they had a look at the products and now they probably remember us in, in the future. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, so we're talking a lot about, I mean, we try to get visibility within the world of cycling, of course, uh, but but then also within the watch world. So we have like two, um, what do you say, two areas that we, or two, two target groups that we try to communicate to. And uh, pretty often they meet as well. A lot of uh, cyclists are watch interested as well. Um, so I think it's a good fit, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, but of course, as mentioned before, it's a constant struggle and um, challenge to be seen and uh, reach yeah. new audience. Basically, it's uh, it's super hard. So, 
should should we do a little bit of name dropping here who's your ambassadors and and yeah, guys sure. that you have on your roster yeah so we're currently working with uh, Lawrence Nassen who's writing for uh, Adia Desire uh, Citroën uh, we have uh, Kevin Janietz uh, writing for FTJ um, Alex Kirsch who is the Luxembourg champion both on the road and time trial um, Jonas Gregard yeah writing this year he rode for Unix. It will yeah. be another team next next year. Exactly. So yeah, there are some some examples of of our ambassadors, mm. and it's pretty cool actually. Uh, I mean, we we don't have any demands that they need to to wear the watches while they are cycling or racing, but from time to time they are actually wearing it in the races, which is super cool for us to yeah. see in front of the TV. Oh, he's having the Grand Tour on on his wrist. That's yeah, I mean, it doesn't have like a functional benefit. It's just about adding adding style. So it's mm. really, really, really nice when, when that happens. Yeah, and you see more and more riders actually wearing uh, watches uh, nowadays. So it feels like it's a growing, growing trend. I mean, a lot of cyclists are quite uh, style concerned and they want to look good on the bike. So... We think that the, a watch is uh, definitely a, a nice uh, accessory to, to wear while riding. So what's your plan for the future now? What's what's coming, like short-term, long-term? What's the vision? What Where, where are you guys heading? So pro- product-wise, we have a very exciting launch uh, at the beginning of next year. Uh, April, I think. D- during the Spring Classics. Yeah. So it's a brand new... Ooh. I mean, as mentioned, we have the Grand Tour uh, series, which was, was our first cycling collection. And now we are launching our a, a brand new uh, series called uh, Team Heritage, which which is our second uh, cycling collection. So it's yeah, it's basically picking up inspiration from uh, iconic cycling teams from the past. So we are launching three teams, so to speak, uh, at the beginning. Yeah, and, and this this watch is it will be yeah, kind of really different, I would say, in mm. terms of the like visual aesthetics compared to the Grand Tours. A bit more uh, retro-inspired in a way, but still, yeah, we don't want to do really strong retro look. So it's still contemporary, but mm. it's inspired by vintage teams, obviously. So like color schemes mm-hmm. and patterns are picked up from from there. It will also have another price point. So yeah, mm. uh, lower price point, basically. Mm. Um, yeah, and we are, I mean, th- that's a good example of how we can work with a, a clear concept. Now, when we have decided to work with classic cycling teams, that's almost like an endless source of inspiration for us to to find new mm. designs and to evolve this collection. And also, I mean, it would be really great that to work with some uh, past riders yeah. uh, as ambassadors. So that, that is, yeah, we're really looking forward to that. And, Mm. I would say this is really our best and most well thought through collection by by date, like the For whole sure. package with how we deliver it and and everything. And yeah, we actually bought a car recently as well <laughs> <laughs> to, that fits within this concept. Yeah, exactly. So it's a uh, Volvo from 1973, right? Yeah, one forty-five. Yes, it's an old. Classic, nice. Yeah. And the idea is to turn it into a um, a brother uh, team, um, what do you say, a team car, basically. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, eventually we will share some pictures of it once we get 
closer to the launch or after the launch. Yeah, it's gonna be really cool, I think. It's 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 currently in the workshop. Uh, <laughs> we we plan to do like quite long trips down to Europe with the car, and it was not super pleasant to drive in <laughs> at the moment. But uh, yeah, hopefully we will meet. We, you can see us down in Belgium, for instance, uh, during the spring. Exactly. That, that's the plan, at least. Yeah, that's the plan. And you're bringing the bikes, of course, yes, right? Yes, for, for sure. That, that's the advantage, having a big Volvo. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and a lot of spare, spare wheels as well. Yeah. So, yeah, that brings me to you, you. We have to talk about where to find your content and where we can find the watches, of course. So tell me, wh what, what, where, where and how and which channels do we find the watches and, and your, your astonishing content that you create as well? I mean, I've been so... I don't want to say jealous, but envious uh, of, of watching when you went to the Grand Tours and you've been sort of in the team buses and meeting all the riders and stuff. So I think there's there would be more people that would be interested in that. So please tell me. I would say that the best way is probably to follow us on, on Instagram, Bravery Watches, uh, or, yeah. and mm -hmm. of course visit our web page. Uh, if you yeah. want to have a look at the watches, we are selling online. So you have the possibility to to order what you watch and you can uh, ship it back for for free if you for some reason would not be happy with it mm. uh, and i mean we have a strong reason for not selling through classical or traditional retailers and the main point is the price i would say mm. that we are free to set up totally our own price levels uh, and to really be able to afford yeah we, we get a lot of i mean we are, we can offer a lot a much better uh, value for money basically uh, when selling the, uh, online directly uh, it's really hard to achieve a uh, competitive price point through re retailers so yeah that's the that's the idea as many other brands do as well of course mm. um, yeah and then Business to consumer makes all sense. Yeah, it does. Um, and we, sh we ship worldwide, so we, um, yeah, yeah, it's an amazing thing to be able to do nowadays. <laughs> it's really great. But you, I think you, one you forgot to mention, there's another Instagram account that that's might be even more cycling related, right? <laughs> well, yeah, we have uh, an, an account called uh, Bravur Bravur Cycling, <laughs> where we post, uh, yeah, pictures from more more personal rides. <laughs> at the moment but if you're more into cycling rather than watches uh, i i think you you would enjoy following that one as well last but not least um what kind of sort of inspiring tips or recommendations can you give to other people that would are thinking about doing something similar to you guys maybe not creating watches so watch out for the bravo guys and you <laughs> need to do in another niche <laughs> but what um what 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 has helped to fulfill this maybe potential dream of yours to do this? And and uh, is there anything that you can mention for for the audience? I would say that the most important thing is to do something which you're really passionate about, because first of all, it makes your work so much more fun and enjoyable. Mm. Uh, and second, people like uh, potential. Uh, consumers they will notice that you're really passionate about what you're doing and your products and if you're meeting them it will really yeah, be perceived also by by the audience so i would say that is really the the key point to mm. to succeed and to be passionate and really enjoy what you're doing the the idea or the concept behind i mean to have a unique concept basically 
actually add something to um, yeah to whatever uh, area you're, area you're uh, targeting uh, is quite important. You're just not not just only doing uh, the same as everyone else, but to actually have your own unique idea. Uh, it doesn't have to be uh, like a, uh, what do you say? It doesn't have to change the world, but uh, just to find something that you actually are unique about and, and uh, which adds something unique to, to the market. I think that's very, very important as well. Yeah, and, and of course, to be persistent, if yeah. you really believe in your ID, it takes time. <laughs> you have to learn a lot of things. Mm. For, for us, we were, as mentioned, really product focused. We were not PR guys, sales guys. Uh, so we needed to learn a, a bit about that before we were able to actually sell the watches. So yeah, be persistent if you really believe in, in your ID and uh, people will, will discover it if, if you're really into it and passionate about it. Mm. I would say that, that, that are probably the key, key takeaways. Fantastic advice. Thank you very much for guys for sharing. Um, so usually last bit that I end off these shows, I don't know if, you, if you've seen it, but I asked the question if you had a, have a question for me. Oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> you got us there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is your favorite Bravil watch? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. Now we uh, need to Google it, Bravil watches. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've seen them all, but I... It is, it is, I mean, maybe it is a bias just towards the race, of course, but it, it has to be the Tour de France one. Mm -hmm. yeah, there is no doubt. Um, but I think it, it just has to do with the biases that, that I have towards that that is the race that is the most fun to watch, yeah. the most intriguing race, um, has the, the biggest guys there mm -hmm. uh, from all different disciplines, sprinters, GC guys, and so forth. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's the best. So yeah. also... Kind of like the color scheme as well, so yeah, yeah. that's uh, my favorite. Interesting. Uh, I mean, I would say the La Corsa Rosa, which is the Giro d'Italia version, has been our bestseller. Also, the Tour de France is popular, but actually, um, uh, a lot of people really appreciate the the pink details. Mm -hmm. We weren't sure when we when we were about to launch the the collection. We thought, okay, will people like like pink watches? It's not all pink, but there are still uh, pink accents, but. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty unique. Uh, it's not that common with with watches with pink accents. So that's uh, that that has been our our bestseller. But the the Tour de France one is also very appreciated. Thank you, Magnus. Thank you, you one for for spending the time with me. And this has been a pleasure. I learned a bunch of things. So thank you very much, and have a have a nice weekend. Yeah. Thank you. You too. Thanks for having us. Ciao. Let me know what you thought about this interview in the comments below. And be sure to hit that subscribe button and like in order to see more content like this. Hope to see you next time. Until then, bye bye.